Do you realize that we have hit 30 banks in three years and they haven't been able to touch us? And all this does is up the stakes of the game. Fuck the stakes, Pody! I mean, the only person this is a game to is you, man. This is real. I mean, this is serious shit, and I am scared, okay? So I say we get the fuck out of here now, tonight, okay? You run, you die. Come on, think about it. This was never about money for us. It was about us against the system. That system that kills the human spirit. We stand for something. To those dead souls inching along the freeways in their metal coffins, we show them that the human spirit is still alive. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 105, Point Break. That's right. Truly a great moment. Always a winning formula until, you know, of course, not counting the remake of this, but usually a winning formula. Honestly, this kind of falls into the same category as Showgirls in that it is way overdue for Oh, us. yes. I definitely. can't believe it took 105 episodes to get to it, but here we are. We saved some good ones. Yeah. <laughs> we, we're never going to run out of episodes. That's no, the great if thing. If anything, this proves that fact that it took us till 105 to get to point break. Yeah, I mean, we couldn't hold out on doing Roadhouse. We burned, we got to that right at 25, but... So here we go. It's like Roadhouse, but with... If Keanu Reeves was also in Roadhouse. It's <laughs> so even better. Yeah. Follow the show on Twitter, at GreatestPod. Things really heating up in the Twitter Absolutely. Sphere. And uh, as always, please subscribe to the show on iTunes. Do people use other formats for podcasts? I don't know. Could we get onto Spotify? I don't know. I don't know either. I feel like we've put in too much work already. We need a manager. <laughs> yes, if you're willing to guide our careers for free. Please, yes. <laughs> let us know. Tweet at the show at Greatest Pod. But yeah, obviously the episode lengths have kind of been high with the exception of the Give Us a Seconds and the Say by the Bell episode. Not much to say about it, though. No, I mean, it's just other a, than it is what it is. Deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think, you know, we're kind of in a transitional time period for the show. <laughs> we're doubling com- down. If you compare our level of interest work in the show oh. <laughs> that we're doing per episode, just how deep we're going on the subject matters to the beginning. Where we, I think Silence of the Lambs, we basically talked about Buffalo Bill's basement for, fif- for <laughs> 15 the minutes and then wrapped it up. <laughs> We're like, all right, that's good. the architect that designed this basement? It doesn't make sense. We'll see you next week when we do (laughs) X-Files in an episode that will last 20 minutes. 
<laughs> things were a lot different at the beginning. Yeah. We've evolved. We take things more seriously now. I swear, though, whenever someone, like, random checks in on the show that I just wouldn't have expected, it's always one of those early episodes. Oof, I know. Like, oh, come on. Yeah, it would be great if people were willing to check out a more recent episode first to see how far we've come. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we're bringing out heavy hitters now. But anyway, with all that said, let's get to the subject at hand. Let's Please, not beat yes. around the bush any longer. You would think there's got to be a lot to say here. 1991, Catherine Bigelow. It's one of those disappointing things always. It's like... Whenever the movie Detroit came out and it's like from the director of The Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty, I mean, somehow left off that list. <laughs> Point break. It's a crime. If we're being real, though, A, I don't think anyone wants to be associated with that remake. True. And B, I mean, we're talking about a movie that's <laughs> like 30 years old almost. Yeah. I don't know A Best how much. Picture winner. And I, I guess certainly Zero Dark Thirty was a nominee, right? Right, and it made a lot of money. Point Break, not quite in that same category? No, it, it really isn't. Um, <laughs> it's much more of a good a roadhouse oh. in the sense that it really caught on a- as it went. It became more and more a cult classic. Not that it did poorly. I think it did like $90 million. Nothing to sneeze at. It's a different time. And, you know, kids today, I don't know how many people are that interested in Point Break, which is a shame, really. It is a shame. I will say, I think there's some good stuff here. Whenever The Town first came out, I was like, wow, this looks like a lesser version of Point Break, you know, because they're wearing, like, the masks and stuff to rob mm-hmm. the banks. Yes. I, I, I will say, those weird kind of monster masks that they were using, not quite as effective as the uh, the former American president masks. Let's go to the beginning. Back in the day, James Cameron was married to Catherine Bigelow. Oh, here we go. And they were kind of a power couple when it came to filmmaking in Hollywood, obviously. This is pre-T2, but Cameron had had some big movies. Obviously, Aliens, The First Terminator, etc. The Abyss. (laughs) And coming off of her previous film, Blue Steel, Bigelow was looking for her next project to direct when her and Cameron found Point Break. Originally back in 87, Ridley Scott was attached to direct with Matthew Broderick, Johnny Depp, Val Kilmer, and Charlie Sheen all in consideration to star, but that fell through. And the movie found its way to Bigelow, who along with Cameron rewrote the final script without being officially credited, by the way, because of an unresolved issue with the Writers Guild. Think of some pretty fun combinations to be in these two lead roles. I cannot imagine Matthew Broderick being in yeah, this movie. That one doesn't really fit. I could, could definitely see, like, Val Kilmer. I could see Johnny Depp, Val Kilmer, yeah. and even Johnny Charlie Depp, Sheen. I think maybe would have been too good for the movie. For which part? I don't know. Well, I guess he I could see him as more of a Bodie. He's he would have been a lot I think he would have been a lot younger than Swayze though. Well, yeah, but Swayze's playing young. Is he? As he is want to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think all of those names I listed were probably for Johnny Utah. I don't know that for a fact. I could see Charlie Sheen or like Emilio Estevez. <laughs> People weren't ready for an Emilio Estevez surf movie <laughs> no. in 91. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's just one of those stories of a project that bounces around different big name directors and people attached to it and it kind of works its way finally to Catherine Bigelow, who was kind of an up-and-coming director at the time. She hadn't had, like, a huge hit or anything. 
but she had some solid work at that point near dark the aforementioned blue steel which i've never seen yeah I, I can't <laughs> say that i've seen a lot of her work pre point break no i mean i think she only had a, cu- a couple okay of movies, yeah but and then i would go on not to see any of her movies between point break and the hurt locker <laughs> that i can think of i don't know what was You're not in a big there. fan of canine the widow maker yeah, i haven't seen that nope <laughs> I think it ultimately landing with her is kind of such an interesting choice. I think the original writer who was inspired by an article at some point in the 80s, they were saying like L.A. was the bank robbery capital of the world. So he has this daydream about it being a gang of surfers while he's on a beach in Los Angeles, writes this script. I think he was kind of going for this... This is all a guess. This is all like what I think. I think the original writer wanted there to be much more of an an emphasis on Bodhi's sermons and his Zen the prophet Bodhi, yeah, proselytizing and all all the stuff that he does and his against the man kind of thing. And obviously, the hypocrisy behind Bodhi is a huge part of the movie still. But I think with Bigelow's influence, it almost turns into this examination of masculinity and this relationship between two men in kind of a hetero way but kind of hetero yeah <laughs> but with some homoerotic tendencies going on well i on. will say the fact that the only female character in the movie has a little bit of a masculine <laughs> side to her <laughs> and her, yeah and her name is tyler tyler which right. is ambiguous but yeah, I don't know if that really is intentional or not. I do think it's kind of a crazy, and it, I mean, and not in a bad way, but a kind of a crazy casting choice for Lori Petty to be the romantic lead in this movie. It, she just it seems so out of place, really, on, on the surface. That's I think true. it works yeah. fine, and she's fine in the movie, but that wouldn't be who you would think they would want to to pick for this you would think like kelly lynch from roadhouse would make you know that'd be somebody they'd be looking at yeah, just at. sort of generic hot chick or something <laughs> but yeah so let's get into it and maybe you know we'll kind of unwrap it as we go maybe we'll come across some more things as i'm far sure as the we story will, yeah. goes <laughs> all right so we meet johnny utah played by keanu reeves former Ohio State Buckeyes quarterback and now rookie FBI agent. So here we go. This has always been sort of a weird thing, and I think probably multiple people have pointed it out on the internet, I'm sure, but this whole thing where there's two movies where Keanu Reeves plays a former Ohio State quarterback. Right. The other one's The Replacements, yeah, correct? Right. And I think in this one, it's that he blew out his knee and that kind of ruined everything. In The Replacements, he just stunk or something, but... <laughs> Uh, it is weird that he plays two uh, I think the movies are far enough apart that you could maybe think that the part in The Replacements was almost like a nod. Yeah. Like a reference. Could be. I don't know. All right. I've never seen The Replacements. I think maybe they played in the Rose Bowl in both, too. Yeah, that would make sense. They got the name, obviously, from Joe Montana and Johnny Unitas. They kind of were influenced it's a crazy name, though, because that means his <laughs> name is John Utah. That is odd. It yeah. sounds better as Johnny Utah, but when you say his name is John Utah... Right. <laughs> you can't talk about Point Break without talking about the absurdity of a high-profile college quarterback on his way to the NFL career... Becoming an FBI... Derailed by Special injuries. agent, yeah. Not only going into the FBI, but then going undercover... <laughs> 
That, that is doesn't weird. make yeah. any sense. <laughs> right. They actually kind of play it off in a way in this movie where you are like, okay, I guess I can roll with it. Where they t- they use his notoriety, the fact that people recognize him as a pro, because it makes him seem less like a cop. But in reality, a high-profile person going into the FBI, everybody would know about it. Yeah, I it would, would say, be reported right. in the paper. Hey, this guy's in the FBI. <laughs> yeah, remember that guy from the Rose Bowl? It's absurd. I mean, obviously, in the internet age, this could never happen. That would just I would be say ridiculous. no. Yeah, it's like we all if Johnny Manziel became an FBI agent. <laughs> yeah, he's which like, could be next. He just threw like four interceptions in his Canadian Football League game. <laughs> so we're in LA now. He he somehow winds up there, and I don't know. We're supposed to believe that this character, Johnny Utah, who talks like this, is not already from California? Uh, yeah. I, he kind of... Who else talks like this? Uh, well, I don't know. Like, talks like they're just a cardboard person. Like, <laughs> Well, he kind of has a whole, like... He, he already kind of sounds like a surfer. Well, he talks like a surfer without exaggerating his words at all. Like the men... <laughs> Although sometimes... A little bit, yeah. <laughs> he does go down that road a little bit. He ends up in the bank robbery division. As I mentioned, the inspiration was that Los Angeles was the bank robbery capital of the world, which they mention. Something that gets mentioned in plenty of movies about bank robbery, because I think they say the same thing in the town. Yeah, they do say that Yeah, in the town. so it, obviously it shifted over time. Right. <laughs> it's kind of a coincidence, I guess, that we're doing a movie about bank robberies... Right after doing The Place Beyond the Pines. <laughs> yeah. it's Well, that's true. It's like that thing, though, where every area has a street that at one point had the most bars on that one one street. Yeah, like how Millvale had the most bars per capita or whatever. Right. Which is, it's not even probably a real record. Yeah, that like... Nowhere has that record. Every town or city has had the most bank robberies. We meet, I guess, essentially Johnny's boss, Harp played by John C. McGinley of yes. Scrubs fame. And a lot of Oliver Stone movies. Yeah, I mean, he's been around forever. Yeah. He's been in tons he's very, of things. very colorful. I will say, for as little as you can tell what Johnny Utah's emotions are supposed to be for any interaction, you can very clearly see what John C. McGinley's are. Now you're a real blue flame special, aren't you, son? Young, dumb, and full of calm. I know. What I don't know is how... How you got yourself assigned out here to Los Angeles with us? I mean, how? I guess we just must have ourselves an asshole shortage, huh? Not so far. Yeah, obviously the young, dumb, and full of cum line, iconic. Yeah, I mean... Something that's been quoted... I think I knew that quote before I even knew this movie. I will say, I, I don't know how well this type of boss would do with millennials... No, not great. Yeah, I, I don't think that he would be able to handle like this. Johnny Utah would be tweeting hashtag me too. Right, yeah. <laughs> In a participation trophy era, I just feel like he would really struggle. So they pair Johnny with Angelo Pappas, played by what Gary Busey. What an insane Busey. name. <laughs> wow. Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze in a movie together, and then it's like, you managed to get Gary Busey in the mix too. <laughs> I know. Talk about dream casting. Gary Busey and his huge teeth. Yeah. <laughs> Just looking it? completely insane. This is your partner, Angelo Pappas. It's like, what? I mean, what is the 
background of that name. I do love that when we first meet Pappas, he says something along the lines of, I fired my piece over 19 oh, times I, in the line of duty. What does that me mean? Too. 20 times? Just say 20 then. Whoa. Over 19. <laughs> what does that that's mean? The li- that's like the line that people use to measure. <laughs> but it also is like, Jesus, Pappas. Keep it in the holster. Well, he's not like a local cop. I mean, he is in the FBI. All right. Yeah, he's a special agent somehow. He seems very fit. Yeah, he's completely off his rock. And it also seems like every other cop hates him. Yeah, he's got kind of a contentious relationship with everybody, which is not really surprising. It's very Gary Busey-esque. The big case, I guess, of the moment for the FBI in Los Angeles is the ex-president's a group of bank robbers who wear the masks of Ronald Reagan, Richard Nixon, Lyndon B. Johnson, and Jimmy Carter. I was going to ask you if you knew which four presidents those were. I, don't, I didn't I w- want to put you on the spot. Well, I wouldn't. I will say I wouldn't have known it by look, other than like JFK and Nixon. But it sticks. Well, JFK with me. wasn't one of them. Oh, is it not? No. I, what? Who is uh, Patrick Swayze? He's Reagan. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, okay, then I would have been wrong. Because this movie would have come out during the first George Bush. But I would have known the other ones just because he says them. He calls them out by name. Okay. Like he says Nixon, he'll say LBJ, he'll say, I think he says Jimmy Carter. So they've hit 27 banks in three years, in and out of these banks in 90 seconds. No one ever gets shot. Stick strictly to the cash drawers, never the vault. That's their secret. They don't get too greedy. We get kind of a lot of exposition you here. You burn in a time in the vault. Seconds. So we get the whole story. We know where this is headed. I think that video that we see of the ex presidents, isn't there like a very clear asshole shot? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> the guy shows like, his ass, but I don't. And then they rewind it. I'm pretty sure that you get like a pretty. Wow. Okay. Well, Catherine Bigelow kind of ahead of the curve there, <laughs> giving the people what they want. I was just kind of like taken aback by that moment i was like whoa <laughs> yeah now who are these other dudes in the crew besides well, patrick swayze this is kind of a a big thing for me in this movie is how little we really know like most of the other crew right uh a couple of the guys were professional surfer slash actors okay they wanted to just get some guys that actually knew how to surf but i, I don't even know their character names it takes forever in the movie to actually get to a point where we list who the ex-presidents are. Isn't that like Gromit, Roach? Oh, yeah, Gromit. <laughs> I don't remember the I other mean, are they, Is this supposed to be their real names, or do they just have surfer names? No. <laughs> you mean like their birth names? No, it's not their birth names. <laughs> you don't think that one dude's name is really named Warchild? Well, he's not in their group. Yeah, I know, but still. Let's just wait till we get there. Are you through, Mr. Wizard? Let me know if you find Jimmy Hoffa under the seat while you're at it. Oh, look at this. It's 7.30. Why the night is still so young. The way you're going, you're going to be able to solve this case and start another one, huh? Drop car my ass. You've been working bank robbery, what, 22 years? Yeah, 22 years. Man, L.A. has changed a lot during that time. The air got dirty and the sex got clean. Uh Uh-huh. So a guy with that kind of timing must have some theory about these guys. Leave it alone, Johnny. Okay, fine. You've given up. Fine. It doesn't mean I have to. Hey, hey, listen. Forget about it, kid. They are ghosts. Yeah, of course. What am I thinking? If you couldn't crack it with all your years of experience, it's impossible to conceive that I might have something to offer, right? 
Well, maybe I can do better than some over-the-hill burnout. Hey, watch your mouth. Maybe you ought to just take some early retirement right now and get some rent-a-cop night security job. Tell Nam stories. Listen, you snot, those little shit. I was taking shrapnel and caisson while you were crapping in your hands and rubbing it on your face. You mad? Yeah, I'm mad. Good and mad, Dad. What do you want to do about it? Feels good, doesn't it? Like you're still alive, right? Yeah. Well, since you're still alive and you're not in the box just yet, why don't you tell me this theory of yours and we'll go get these guys? <sighs> okay, hot shot. You want to nail the bank robbers and be a big hero? Definitely. Definitely. Then here it is. The ex-presidents are surfers. 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 So they go to work this drop car, which is Johnny's suggestion, and obviously, like, Pappas doesn't want to do it because it sucks, but Johnny's like... Young, dumb, and full of cum. That's so right. He yeah. wants, he's like Let's chomping on at the this bit. Case, right. This scene is hilarious because it's kind of the first real test for Keanu Reeves in this movie as like a dramatic presence <laughs> pitted up against Busey, who obviously is over the top and crazy, but you would never say you doubt Busey's performance in this movie. You're kind of just like, all right, it's wild, but I'm on board. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Reeves, half the time you're not even sure if he knows well, what that's movie the thing. he's it's, in. It's like he can't tell, and the audience certainly can't tell, if the things he's saying at certain times is supposed to be like a joke. Like Johnny Utah, the character, is supposed to be saying something in jest, and you yeah. can't tell. I, I know. Yeah, the delivery is, is kind of crazy and all over the map. For it's like he's never interacted with a person. This big moment between Pappas and Utah when he's confronting Pappas for giving up on life and giving up on this job and stuff, even though I think in reality Pappas hasn't because he's got all his crazy theories. Oh, yeah. He's but been working these guys for a while. This is a big moment in the film, and it's also a big moment as far as Reeves' performance <laughs> in the movie. We talked about Keanu Reeves a lot when we did Knock Knock way back when, and we kind of wondered if Still maybe not really there was clear. a meta yeah. take on some of his bizarre line deliveries and wooden performances and whatnot. But yeah, this moment is crazy because when you have him he like butting heads with Busey, who's just like on fire and chewing up scenery, and he's kind of <laughs> like he almost seems unsure of the line delivery. It's crazy. I mean, it's crazy that this is. The, well, honestly, because the way the that takes he, that they went with the way that he acts, it's it's really hard to buy that he's really into being a cop. There's a lot of parts of this where I'm like, he says, let's go check out this car. And like he acts like he's really into this case. But the way he's saying it makes me feel like he's faking it. It's not quite as uneven as Elizabeth Berkeley and Showgirls, <laughs> but it's it, it. There are parts of this movie that remind me of Showgirls kind of in a different way, though. Certainly. Whereas, like... A little bit less nudity. Berkeley was always at a 10, and it at times when it didn't make sense to be a 10. Yes. Reeves never can really seemingly get above a 3. <laughs> <laughs> Even when it's you need when him to be at, like, a 7 or an 8. <laughs> <laughs> I should mention, though, that Elizabeth Berkeley did have a small role in the movie, but it was cut. Oh, so no. So there's that. A fun quote from Scott Tobias at AV Club. He says, The teaming of Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves is ideal. One, a serene prophet, endlessly proselytizing. The other, a blank slate, boundlessly <laughs> impressionable. And that is kind of how it works. People will listen to this and think, oh, we're really tearing Keanu apart. It's like, first of all, everyone loves Keanu at this point Absolutely. in 2018. And I mean, 
we're no different. I mean, I think he seems like a nice guy and a cool guy. And he's in a lot of movies that we like, really. Yeah, and this movie ultimately works in part because of his persona that he brings to it. This is kind of the ideal Keanu Reeves movie. He's miscast in a lot of things, including a movie I love, Bram Stoker's Dracula, which oh, just right. is insane that he, he's in that movie. Yeah, he's so bad in that. <laughs> but this works. Yes, you would like him to get a little bit more in the moment a few times in this movie, but overall, it kind of somehow manages to make more sense to have Bodhi be this dominant personality. And we'll obviously well, yeah, he's Bodhi just yet, uh, but. flying with personality. You got this visionary who's preaching to his surfer friends and right. partying and talking about adrenaline rushes. And then you just have Keanu Reeves being like, that's the blood leaving your body. You'll be dead soon. Yeah. Well, you almost <laughs> buy Johnny Utah as somebody that would join a cult. Yeah, oh, that he certainly. would fall under the influence of a cult leader, which is kind of how you can envision Bodhi in this movie. Yes. Pappas has a surfer theory because he, <laughs> he sees some tan lines and... Kind of a bizarre route to get to his theory. Well, yeah, the actual... I mean, like, it's California. I mean, I think a decent amount of people... Have the tan lines? Yes. Well, there's a, lo- there's a lot. It's more than just the tan lines. Yeah. There's the sex wax, which is what surfers use on their boards that they found at one of the... Now, Thanks. this is one of those parts where I, it's supposed to be like Keanu Reeves is telling a joke where he's like, uh, a guy uh, puts wax in his mustache. Oh, yeah. Touches it. <laughs> I don't even know. Like, touches the bottom of his shoe, gets sand on it, scuffs the counter when he's walking across. I know. I mean, it's uh, not really a well-written joke either, but <laughs> I don't really know. And then the dates of the robberies all kind of take place during the surf season and then it's like they leave town and move on and go somewhere else which is part of his theory that they're funding an endless summer which kind of becomes the crusade yes i would like to see how this all works outside of california what what the rest of their year is like well i think i guess they're able to like australia rent these houses for like three months at a time i don't know okay they just live on the beach (laughs) (laughs) well there's that part though where they have the house party and it's like insane. There's just like things on fire in the house. It seems like they have framed pictures of themselves hanging up, <laughs> which is pretty nuts. Framed pictures. <laughs> Skydiving. The plan is then formulated between these two dingleberries that Utah needs to go undercover immediately in order to infiltrate <laughs> the surfing community. It's like, what is this plan? By the way, how many people live in Los Angeles? I don't know. This in is like crazy. And how many beaches are there? I know. This is insane. This would never work. This would be. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I know. Somehow, these two You're idiots. going to stumble into a group of surfers <laughs> who have been robbing banks. <laughs> I mean, the leaps that they're making. It's like, it's definitely surfers. We're definitely going to find them. <laughs> and you're definitely going to be convincing enough to infiltrate their group. It's a lot of. This would take years to yeah, do this. Right. But seemingly it all happens in a couple of days. So here we go. So, I mean, he needs an angle to get in. Surfing is going to be the angle, obviously. But yeah. the problem is he can't surf. Right. Because the idea is that he needs to go deep undercover and it can't be superficial because the surfing groups are tribal. I love how they just say this stuff, Pappas and Utah, and we're just like, yeah, that makes sense. I know, sense. these two squares. We believe this. What do they know about anything? Yeah. 
they buy like a really shitty embarrassing surfboard right and then he goes out one part in this movie that i think is legitimately funny and i think it was written to be funny and i think it is funny is when he's talking to that kid in the store and the kid's like surfing's the source man change your life swear to god like (laughs) utah almost drowns right away but is rescued by a young woman named tyler played by Lori petty who we've already talked about tank girl I do love that he's like, hey, my name's Johnny Utah. And she goes, who cares? Well, yeah, no kidding. I mean, (laughs) because she does not seem interested at first. It takes a while. But it's like, why is he even yelling his full name to her? I don't know. Yeah. Wouldn't he be? Isn't he undercover? Or even just be like, hey, I'm Johnny. (laughs) I mean, how many people yell their full name? Did anybody involved with this movie not understand what going undercover means yeah i guess (laughs) i don't know i don't know what so okay so he meets he makes contact with this lady named tyler so he he figures out who she is right because they have someone at the office back at you know fbi look up her record i know and i don't ever remember there being a last name okay involved so i don't know how they found this person yeah but okay so she's only had she had a rap sheet and one of the things she was arrested for was Indecent exposure while in a moving vehicle. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. <laughs> is it? Tyler seems fun. Well, so, well, no, here's here's the thing that's r- ridiculous about it. She had a series of misdemeanors, right? So would the FBI really have that detailed of a bio of her that, that, at the ready? That they know what happened to her parents? Yeah, that's what I mean. They, I know, it not, is they crazy. Don't just know a list of crimes. They know all the stuff about it. it does, it's like... This is pre-Patriot Act, too. <laughs> I mean... It doesn't seem realistic to me. I mean, I'm sure they could collect this information over time, but just to have these files on these, it's like, for what? <laughs> on these, like, computers that have, like, MS-DOS. Like, it doesn't even seem like she has... Just type in someone's name and it brings up random string of characters. It doesn't even seem like she has a house. <laughs> like, what are they... <laughs> She's barely a citizen. Well, we don't really know what the hell's going on with her actual life. No, we never do. This is kind of like a dark Zach Morris-type move. Where it's just like, I'm going to exploit your dead parents to kind of get what I need out of you. Right. In all fairness, though, he's doing it as a an officer of the law well, in I don't pursuit know. of I, criminals. I don't I think it starts f- out where he's trying to fuck her. All right. You can think what you want if you want to be How naive. How dare you think that about Johnny Utah? So, yeah, he fabricates a family tragedy to endear himself to her and to have her teach him to surf. Right. And then we get a montage of these different things happening. So this is kind of his inroad is to play up her emotional distress. Somehow he's not playing to the emotional distress of the audience (laughs) with his whole, I've never seen the ocean before. I'm drawn to it. (laughs) So this is when we finally meet Bodhi, played by Patrick Swayze. It's something that we talk about from time to time. The magic of movie logic where this first person. Right that johnny meets tyler is connected to of course the main person yes. that we need to know which is Bodie. intimately she dated him yeah and i do think that the relationship the past relationship between Bodie and tyler is kind of interesting in this movie and it's kind of hard to figure out exactly what happened yeah i th- i always just took it that i mean patrick swayze is just too wild i mean he can't be tamed that's not how he says it, though, later. Well, so Bodhi, which is short for the Bodhisattva, a term in the Buddhist religion meaning an enlightened being who, 
Out of compassion, foregoes nirvana to save others. Bodhi also means wakefulness. So Bodhi was woke. He was certainly woke. <laughs> That's Bodhi. They call him the Bodhisattva. searcher what's he searching for the ride the ultimate ride guys even crazier than you Johnny as we talked about what is the deal between Tyler and Bodie because he does kind of kiss her on the mouth well yeah right they kind of he kind of tries to maintain this playful I can still kind of blur the lines kind of cross some boundaries because I'm Bodie and I do what I want type thing yeah, he pinches her on the butt just That's to right. let her let her know that she's his at all yeah, times. Yeah, and she I mean, <laughs> she certainly goes along with it. <laughs> Johnny joins in on a uh, football game on the beach. <laughs> this these guys just do whatever the hell they want. What do they have like a bunch of cars with their lights on to light up the beach to Seemingly. It's a lawless area. Yeah, well, cuz there's another part beaches. in the movie where they just are like, "Oh, we're going to go on another like night surf and they just dump gasoline on like these <laughs> what well, seems to be like a full log and light it on fire. <laughs> yeah, and this is really our first aggro encounter between Bodie and, and Johnny and these guys. And it's like rams butting heads on the beach and whose dick is bigger. The way they're even hiking the football <laughs> is very aggressive and kind of sexual, I feel like. <laughs> Especially Bodie. He's really kind of thrusting on his hut, hut, you know. <laughs> It's it's very um, intense. Eventually, Johnny's recognized by Bodhi. Everyone seems to know a lot about him, which is brings into the question, if they know this much about him, wouldn't they have heard that he's gone into the FBI well, or this something? Is, I mean, this is the most insane change in mood ever, though. Like, It seems like tensions are very high in this game. It's getting very aggressive. It feels like it's about to be a fight. And Johnny Utah plows through several dudes trying to block him so much so that you're like, how long is this play going on? And then how you, far does Bodie have to run? Yeah, down he the chases Bodie, chases Bodie out into the water, into the waves, and then tackles him into it. At that point, the rest of the surfers come over, and now these guys are criminals, mind you, and they're like, hey, don't you think that's a bit much? They're saying to Johnny Utah, aren't you taking this a bit far? And Bodie's like relax don't you know who this is <laughs> it's johnny utah They're like what the ohio state quarterback from well, the they, Rose Bowl? they all take their cues from bodie though he that i think that is done in a way to sh to illustrate his control over yeah. the rest of the group the alpha male <laughs> so this is how where could we, you not follow a guy with hair like that i know this is still like peak swayze yeah. looking like a chiseled statue this is where we first learn about the severe knee injury preventing Utah from going pro. Right, where his um, knee was bent 90 degrees the wrong way. <laughs> and this kind of comes into play as the movie progresses a couple of different times. Yeah. The next part of the film is iffy at best. It's where we get this... <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's the whole toxins in the hair clue thing that Pappas unravels 
where I guess an, okay, a, a I, bank employee had a hair or caught a hair from somebody that w- did one of the robberies. All right, I, this is every time I watch this movie, I feel like I I can't pay attention to this part because it jumps to what they're trying when they're trying to obtain hair, and I'm always like, why are they doing this? Right. So this is a very convoluted thing. I can't imagine how this actually played in '91 when like forensics and stuff was a lot less known. I guess by you the were just like public. buying whatever they told you. Basically, what happens is, well, I'll just give this as succinctly as possible. During one of the robberies, a bank employee, I guess, either grabs a hair or there's a tussle or something where some hair from one of the robbers is retrieved by the police afterwards. They test it. They find like specific toxins of things that are dumped into the ocean. And then depending on what things are in it, they can match it up to what beach. So then they go around and find other surfers and stuff to try to match up which beach these toxins came yeah, from. Yeah, pretty wild. It's, it, I guess it's a it's way another huge narrow, leap. Yeah, to... <laughs> I guess it's a way that at least for the viewer tries to narrow the field of possible suspects. Right. But why would these people stay to one beach? I don't. They wouldn't. Right. They don't, as far as I know. Yeah. Did you now recognize you, our boy? Yes. Michael Coppola I will say, from the Stone Age. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> In another dynamite performance. Okay. So this narrows it down to Latigo Beach eventually. This is almost irrelevant, really. It's just kind of one of those things where you're just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Wait, let's just move on from this. They go to Latigo Beach. Utah quickly runs afoul of a group of surfers at this beach. Basically, they, you know, he's fucking around being a terrible surfer. They're going to beat his ass. Here we go again, though. And, you know, we talk about Swayze and we talk about Roadhouse. And it's like it's hard not to point out some of the, the crossover you know, in Roadhouse, you've got this weirdly spiritual bouncer. In this, you've got this little weirdly spiritual visionary surfer. The character doesn't make sense. But on top of that, these guys are always insanely good fighters. They can beat anybody up. Yeah, but I mean, have you seen Swayze in these movies? I mean, I've gotten a good look. and he I He looks mean, like I'm a Greek like, god. Yeah. <laughs> he looks kind of small, though. Especially no. when you see this uh, dare you. war child, dude. Bodie runs in with the save. Yeah, relax, war child. He's with me. It's like, di- yeah, didn't these assholes ever see Roadhouse? Do they not know? Well, yeah. Because they stop, but then they just restart up. And then they stop again. And, and then, then Johnny Utah, Utah punches the punches one in the, the face. Guy, and then it keeps going. Yeah, so Which the- Bodie all in on Johnny Utah this early because at that point he could have been like, all right, you're on your own, dude, You if you're starting this back up. But he got like right back in the mix with him well yeah i mean i guess he's kind of in awe of the celebrity yeah of a star quarterback so yeah this other group is like war child a guy named bunker weiss and then one of the guys is played by anthony kiedis from the red hot chili peppers Bodie refers to them as nazi assholes (laughs) (laughs) and this is where as far as the actual movie goes we start to see Bodie. With his spiritual side to surfing, he's like a philosopher of the sea. Yes. It's just kind of an insane character. And as you mentioned, yes, a lot of similarities in his approach to life to Dalton from Roadhouse. That's right. It's just that... Never own a property. Ultimately, though, Dalton was pure as the driven snow, whereas Bodie, we're going to find out, is... Yeah, not so much, yeah. 
since it was a group of four who get into it with Utah, these Nazi assholes now immediately become the top candidates to be the ex-presidents in Utah's mind. Yeah, and I, these are our guys. They run together. Cra- They're tribal, as we say. It is crazy that every group of surfers is just a group of four. <laughs> no it's more, so no less. Yeah. So, yeah, now we're at the aforementioned, well, we're at Bodie's party. Okay. So what's the biggest? Why, mayor? Ridden? Yeah. Kaha. Can't point. Bells Beach, Australia. Whoa, whoa. No way Bells is bigger than Waimea, bro. We'll be next year. Bodie believes the 50-year storm is coming next year. 50-year storm? What's that? That's kind of a legend. No, it's real. It's absolutely real. Everything moves in cycles. So twice a century, the ocean lets us know just how small we really are. A winter storm comes out of Antarctica, tearing up the Pacific. And it sends a huge swell north 2,000 miles. And when it hits Bells Beach, it'll turn into the biggest surf this planet has ever seen, and I will be there. So You want the ultimate, you gotta be willing to pay the ultimate price. It's not tragic to die doing what you love. So I want to go. Hell, I ain't going to live to see 30. <laughs> the party kind of calms down. Everybody's outside around a fire. And then there, there's like this really kind of crazy talk of the big rush, the ultimate ride, big waves, kind of just like why, they're, they're why we're talking about these events that we should we're supposed to know about, I guess. Naming. No, I think there's naming beaches. OK. In years, though. Well, I don't know. But, like, U of A 94. This is just a crazy conversation. Would they ever really be talking like this? This is kind of one of those conversations that only happens in movies and not in real life, where it's almost like, let's talk about our hobbies and why we like them (laughs) in a generic sense. (laughs) It's like, what? I mean, I do get that Johnny's kind of new to the scene, but it doesn't even seem like they're ever really addressing him directly. No, this is just what they do. This oh, is a party with like, these let's guys. Let's get drunk and talk about why we love surfing. <laughs> well, I don't know. That's starting to feel more real to me now <laughs> when you put it like that. I think this is more of like a, a best of conversation. Yeah. <laughs> that's it, it, that's kind of a catch-all term for something like this in movies where we're kind of giving our greatest hits of our characters and of our lives yeah. so that you get the idea. <laughs> Tyler says something like there's too much testosterone here, which she's always kind of she mentions like the testosterone, the aggro. They're like, like, yeah, you're bringing it it up. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I don't know. This scene for me is the first time where you're like, is Utah starting to buy into all this garbage? Because he definitely seems to be in awe of everybody, but especially Bodhi. Well, it does seem like part of the point of the movie is like him enjoying this life and kind of wanting to be a part of this. Yeah, for sure. But you don't really understand why. I mean, surfing seems fun. (laughs) It seems like you could have some fun doing that, but he could be a part of this life without (laughs) becoming a criminal. It does seem like Point Break could have benefited from like a 20-minute backstory to Utah's character so that we... To give him a reason to want to bond with these guys so badly beyond his job and beyond his 
his war goals. We honestly don't know anything about him other than the fact that he was a quarterback at Ohio State. We don't know anything about his family, his friends. He wasn't dating anyone. And I will say nothing was I, I going mean, on outside of Bodie. The rest of these guys seem kind of lame. They don't really. It doesn't well, really feel like they bring a lot to the table. Here's here. the names finally coming to okay, my notes where right. I did have them. So we've Roach, Gromit, Nathaniel. And then the non-surfing thug, Rosie. Rosie, who kind of is Bodhi's muscle, although we don't really know that at this point. Yeah, I think Gromit is the kid, like the youngest, and that's why he has that name. It's kind of a term of like the runt or the young one or whatever. Okay, But they're essentially pretty generic. And I think you were kind of bringing this up a few minutes ago about the set design in this scene. It's very like that crazy gypsy look. With like candles and scarves tied to things blowing in the wind. Ah, yes. Fires. You know, it's very reminiscent of the Lost Boys, very distinct 80s California look. Yeah. 80s bleeding into the 90s. Well, yeah, for sure, but you know. Yeah, I know. Aesthetic isn't determined by like a hard out when the calendar flipped over to 1990. It's a good point. (laughs) Hey, enough. Yeah. I just want to sit out here for a minute. <laughs> Look at you. What? Well, usually you have this intense sort of scowl of concentration on your face, like you're doing all this for a school project or something. Or like you've got something driving you. Look at it. It's gone. I didn't know better. I'd say you looked almost happy. I can't describe what I'm feeling. You don't have to. So then they go on this night surf, and Utah's gotten surprisingly decent already. Yeah, well, we had I a montage like... earlier of him jumping up on the board on the beach. I do feel like surfing Tyler's a good teacher. is really fucking hard. Never trying, obviously. But it just seems like, of all the things, it's got to be one of the hardest to pick up. How much time do you think has gone by? I'm sure they referenced Three days? It maybe? From when he first bought the surfboard? I don't know. I think it's supposed to be weeks. Okay. But, I, yeah. I, I guess don't. that's... Yeah, I guess they do some lab work and go to that's different That's what the beaches. montages are yeah, for. Yeah, true. <laughs> the passing of time. Eventually, the other surfers head out, leaving Tyler and Johnny Which, alone in the ocean. I guess one thing that should be pointed out from his conversations with uh, these surfer dudes is like they ask him about what he's doing now and he comes up with, yeah, I went to law school, which why on earth? I guess at this point he's still not thinking these are the guys, right? But if you're supposed to be under deep cover, why even get it in people's heads that you're tied to the law at all? That thought did cross my mind as well. Maybe he was just not quick enough on his feet. (laughs) Well, there's that. But maybe he was thinking more of like a defense attorney. So you're kind of on the other side. All right. This scene in the ocean now between these two, kind of crazy. It's like, is this maybe something similar to Stockholm Syndrome? Is he now... Starting to fall for his captors a little bit? Yeah, I mean, this kind of is something that gets played up more when we get to you know, a, a robbery later on, obviously, with Johnny involved in that one. But... Yeah, the, this kind of uh, like a Patty Hearst thing. 
you know, where he's kind of just now a part of this criminal group. But as a viewer who somebody especially who's seen the movie several times, you know who's who and what's what. I don't think it comes as a huge surprise, though, even when you see this movie the first time, who the actual ex-presidents are. Right, yeah. (laughs) I guess that's true. I don't have a clear memory of the first time I watched this movie, but I don't feel like it was even remotely a surprise. And I don't think it's supposed to be. Right? It can't be. No, I don't think so. It's not a twist. I I guess the only person that's surprised is Johnny. Yeah, and that's the point, though. It's like, it feels like he's starting to fall into this, but at the same time, he, he has no idea that it's them yet. Yeah, not a great hunch cop. So Johnny and Tyler have sex on the beach and wake up there nude in the daylight. (laughs) Utah keeps saying he's late, and he's like repeating it over and over. And I was just like, what does Tyler think he's late for? Yeah, some sort of... He doesn't really ever... I mean, he did say the thing about being a lawyer, but yeah, he doesn't really... I I don't think either of them know what each other does. Does Tyler just work at that beach shack concession place? stand yeah. at the beach? <laughs> She's making like literally Tacos. three dollars an hour or something in 1991. I guess things have kind of been organized back at the FBI for a raid on a Warchild's bizarre, crew. Yeah, this is sort of a bizarre raid. It seems like they're doing this off little evidence. That's true. Yeah, it doesn't seem because we don't even see scenes where he's even presenting this as yeah i'd be interested to know like what that's kind of like i think it's these guys what that conversation (laughs) entailed because it's like i I feel like they're not just handing out warrants to do a raid unless you've got some solid evidence that these are your guys i mean i guess you could put two and two together and be like all right well first before they actually do the raid we do see some scenes of pappas and utah plus those other two guys kind of alternating like a watch on this house right and we do know that these guys are involved in illegal activity yes because turns out there's something else going on so i guess you could surmise that they saw something that was that would like indicate that some support to what utah was saying whether yeah. it was the guns whether it was whatever okay and so then they're like all right well we have enough now because what would be the point of the surveillance if not to gain more information right i don't know so utah as pointed out by these other two cops late to his own raid operation pap is sort of running the show here Not the most well-executed raid you've ever seen. No, it's basically Pappas, a couple of other agents, two of which are the two guys that don't like Utah and Pappas. (laughs) Utah, as you said, shows up late, and he's primarily backup because they don't want to burn his cover, which seemingly gets thrown out the window immediately and never mentioned again. Yeah. Once his cover is essentially blown. Utah is kind of hiding on the side of the house, and then the neighbor starts up just what is basically a prehistoric lawnmower. Yeah, and it's insane. I do think it's crazy, though, that this is happening, and they have no contingency plan for something like this, and no one is there from the FBI who can go over to that neighbor's house and be like, hey, I am in the FBI. You need to stop this right now. Yeah, now, is it Anthony Kiedis that's laying there beating himself in the chest? I do think he's laying in a bed. I, I don't remember him beating himself Yeah, he's in like the listening chest, to headphones. Oh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, he's getting fired up. Right. <laughs> so, Pappas, he goes to the front door. He's searching for a phantom dog. What you know, exactly? That's his story. He's knocking on doors. Like what he's, he's for trying a dog. to get them to do here, I, I don't, don't know. really and know. Seemingly, he's distracting them at the front. I don't know. I don't really know what the plan is. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's what if she goes, Yeah, I saw your dog. He ran up the street. Okay, see ya. It's, I don't know. Like, what? 
I do love that the the chick that comes to answer the door though is just wearing like a thong, <laughs> like True. an early '90s thong, like where the waist it is just like looks completely uncomfortable. Yeah, her wa- the waistline of this thong is essentially like above her belly button. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know all the way up the crack. Yeah, it doesn't really appear sexy to me. Underwear at that time period is weird. Yeah. <laughs> but these dudes at the, at Warchild's place, they have like a fucking arsenal. Well, yeah. And plus, it's like their immediate instinct is we're just going to fucking shoot our way out of here. <laughs> yeah, they don't care. Yeah. Kind of like many situations that we've talked about in movies recently, this whole thing turns into a clusterfuck immediately. A couple of the surfers end up dead. Anthony Kiedis shoots himself in the foot. A naked woman, who coincidentally is played by Julia Michaels from Roadhouse and fame. And is just a complete badass. I mean, she comes out, beats the shit out of Johnny Utah, like, grabs him by the head, like, slams him into the wall. Yeah. And then she, like, stabs another one of the cops, right? Yeah, she's completely insane and a total badass, and she's completely nude. Yeah, which is awesome. <laughs> but eventually... The that F- actress using her two skills, being like a stunt woman and being nude. <laughs> yes. Eventually, our boys manage to come out on top, but, uh-oh, it turns out a DEA agent named Dietz, played by an uncredited Tom Sizemore. Wow, not uncredited. Yeah. Was By the way, rocking a look that he would become familiar with later in life. <laughs> Dietz was already working undercover in this group for a drug bust, which has now been ruined thanks to this raid. Is that information not out there anywhere? Well, he's DEA. Other a- I, I, get, I don't know. I know, but like, it's a almost of- like they're being... What's John C. McKinley's character's name? Harp? Yeah. He's sort of lambasting them for doing this. You know, he's going after Johnny and Pappas. Like, this guy's been working undercover on this case, and you guys fucking blew it. Yeah. Like, how are they supposed to know? Well, they wouldn't, but no one would know, I guess. I don't know. They just, they were wrong because Dietz can confirm that these guys are not the ex-presidents. Although still clearly criminals that could have been arrested. But I guess the point from Dietz was he was going after their supplier. Yeah. And I mean, the crazy thing here is they kill a couple of people and there never really is any ramifications of this. They don't even seemingly have to fill out paperwork, (laughs) let alone explain themselves to anyone. Right. It's kind of crazy because they would be sued. They would potentially lose their job. They killed two people over something that they were wrong about. The raid was because they thought they were the ex-presidents, and they're not. So then several people end up dead. Well, it was a different time. (laughs) That's true. Talking about Harp, considering how he was against their whole undercover operation from the start, yes, their whole approach to this goddamn case bothers me. After a screw-up this bad... I mean, would they still be allowed to do anything? Would they still even no. be partners? I think he would be like... Would they still even be I think be they would be the suspended FBI? for sure. <laughs> yeah, why would he let them continue with this ridiculous plan when it's now gone so bad? And furthermore, what about Utah's cover? They were so worried about it being blown, and then he does get involved, and all of the survivors of this raid do see him. I guess it just doesn't resonate with them that he was the guy from the beach that day. It's crazy. Or Bodie's not going to talk to these guys again because they're going to jail. Yeah, I don't know. Tyler and Utah are becoming more and more of a regular thing. Bodie gets Utah and Tyler to go surfing unexpectedly. At this point in the film, it feels like we know the peripheral members of Warchild's crew 
better than we know the dudes in Bodie's crew. That's aside true. from Bodie. They do have more lines. Yeah, and they look different, all of them. True. Whereas the yeah, people more in Bodie's looks. all kind of look the same, yeah. other than Bodie, who we know. But while out surfing, someone moons, and it dawns on Utah that these are the guys. because That's what sa- he recognizes the asshole. <laughs> yeah, the bank robber mooned in the video that they saw of the ex-presidents, and now this jogs his memory. And Tyler says something like, you all right, look, you look like you saw a ghost, which is kind of like a hilarious flashback to Pappas calling the ex-presidents ghosts. And you're like, really? That's what made the connection was her just saying ghosts? What would be better if it was Demi Moore playing Tyler? Well, and so, yeah, then it comes full circle. Yeah. So Utah decides to trail Bodie, and he tells Pappas about it. I feel like this is kind of one of the more weird off-screen developments yeah like his whole way of verifying that it's them happens off screen well he doesn't really even verify he follows him to like a storage shed or something the first thing this is Bodhi talking to Pappas and he says he has lunch at patrick's roadhouse <laughs> now what is, is that hilarious. right but apparently patrick's roadhouse was a real place okay. and could conceivably been where Bodhi went to lunch but i feel like that has to be how can it not be? Because there's a a line earlier in the film where I'm probably going to get the year wrong, but the first time Bodie s- meets Utah and he sees that pink surfboard and he goes, that reminds me of a 57 Chevy I used to own or something like that. Okay. I think he says 57. And that's the car that he owned in Dirty Dancing. Wow. I had no idea all of this was worked into this. This whole movie is just a nod Patrick to Swayze's Swayze references. <laughs> And honestly, if we're going to kind of take a step back from the plot for if a minute. If you ripped a throat out in this movie. This movie's kind of sad in a way because this was kind of a farewell, really, in a lot of ways for Swayze as like a big time star. He never really had another big hit after this. Not Obviously, he had starring roles, bummer, but this yeah. was like the last of his like big movie star run that he was on that started in the 80s. He was still a star, and he starred in things, but nothing really hit. And his career kind of became less and less as it went along. That stinks. I mean, he popped up in some things. I mean, Donnie Darko is cool. but yeah. Yeah, but I mean, he's like a weird kind of side character in that. And he's in some other stuff, too. But this was like the sunset of the prime years, really. Because we're kind of post-Ghost and... Obviously, Dirty Dancing, Who Roadhouse, did he sort of like hand the title off to in the meantime? I knew, I know it would eventually go on to Vin Diesel and maybe The Rock, but like, <laughs> who was carrying this leading man, ridiculous action star in the time between? I don't know. In my mind, there's never been another. That's true. I mean, it's a good point. No one's ever done it as good. So then they have a stakeout at the Assured Trust Savings and Loan, which is the bank. Wait, that hold on. I, I need to clear this up just for myself so after he follows him to patrick's roadhouse he saw him at a bank go into a bank and he was in there for a while that Uh, was it all right confirmed he's like why would he be going to a bank and this place to (laughs) think that's what he's that's basically what he says yeah pappas is like i don't know maybe he was cashing a check yeah well (laughs) valid point right pappas So I guess is this place that they're going to stake out where he saw him go into? Right, and right. he was with one of the other dudes, and the other dude stayed in the car, and he went in. Okay. And he was in there for like 20 minutes or something. Now, they know. never checked crazy. the... 
Do they ever consider checking the surveillance tapes of these banks the day before the robbery to see In if they could days, ever cross reference those tapes had anything? probably been long erased okay. by the time they made this realization. So they stake out the bank, which is the Assured Trust. Pappas really, I feel like, not into the stakeout. He's way more fixated on those two meatball sandwiches. <laughs> this Calvin and Hobbes is funny. Oranges, sir. Take some oranges. You want some oranges? No. No, 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 we got a lot. We got a lot. Dollar, sir. No, thanks. Good luck. God. <laughs> for a turkey cemetery. Oh. It's time for lunch. Angelo, it's 10.30. Right around that corner, there is a sandwich shop. They sell meatball sandwiches. Best I've ever tasted. Would you go get me two? Come on, partner. Thank you. Utah, give me two. I do like the way that this is shot where neither cop is paying attention when these guys pull up to the bank. <laughs> this scene is so amazing. Like, It has become its own thing. You can get a t-shirt with Gary Busey sticking his head out the car window. With Utah, the give two. me two. Yeah. <laughs> his just obsession. He says, get him two so many times. And then he's like, as an afterthought, he's like, Utah, two. I want two. And then when he brings him back, he's like, I'm so hungry. I could eat whatever. He says something disgusting, like the dead a ass. Or whatever. ass or something. Yeah. Or- I should have had you get me three of these things. Yeah. I'm just like, who the fuck would eat three meatballs? <laughs> me. <laughs> it is just an insane scene. I love it. Right. But yeah, this whole meatball sub detour, whatever, that distracts them from when the ex-presidents arrive at the bank. So they go in, they rob the bank. That's when they, realize, on their way out, that's when they realize, oh shit, they were <laughs> yeah. here. Step on it. So we get the action sequence. We get a car chase into a foot chase. Um, yeah, a very like inno- innovative way of filming the foot chase where they use like this kind of special camera and they had the cameraman like run with them. And it was like this crazy thing. And I mean, I think Swayze probably would have done this himself because he you know, was famous for doing a lot of his own stunts and all of that stuff. But he was not there. And that's not actually Swayze in the mask during this. Oh, no. That was his stunt double because he was in Europe doing, like, final press for Ghost. Oh, shit. For the European release. So they had to do this without him. But it's kind of an indication of some of the cool techniques that Bigelow would get more and more famous for with, like, the Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty and and some of her, you know, higher profile films. It's kind of nuts what he's doing here, though, where when they get to the gas station... And he's like lighting car on fire. Yeah, but like also like lights the end of the gas pump on fire. (laughs) Yeah, so it's like a blowtorch. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I feel like I'd be very afraid that that thing's gonna blow up in my hand. (laughs) During the chase, the old injury flares up for Johnny, so he kind of can't really catch him. And he does though have one last chance with a clear shot at Bodie, but Bodie. You know, climbs the fence. Although, wouldn't this kind of be a sketchy thing, too? I mean, if he did shoot him, it's like, who shot first? No one. (laughs) Well. Are you, at that point, allowed to just fire? I don't know. It's kind of a gray area. I mean, they always are seemingly firing at people in the 
in the process of like committing the crime. Okay. Well, they just killed a bunch of people that were in their house that weren't even the ex-presidents, and nobody batted an eye. Right. If he so, actually killed one of the ex-presidents, I don't think people were going to care. During the chase, he kind of just falls off trying to ch- and like lands on his knee, and he's like, oh, my knee, I, I got to lay on the ground <laughs> in pain. I can't catch him. No. And then he has to fucking, I guess, what is it? What is the emotion that he's expressing here when he fires his gun off into the air six times after not being able to? I don't know. I guess he's mad at himself. For not being able to do it. Or is he just firing off the gun to make it seem like he shot at him? I don't think so because okay. they'd look for the bullets or whatever. Or the, if okay. he was trying to prove that or something. I don't know. All right. But yeah, I mean, it's if you shoot something into the air, it, it comes down. Right. Six people dead. Possibly. None of them Bodhi. <laughs> it's possible. So now the heat is on for the ex-presidents and... And this is where, like, Bodie's little crew is starting to be like, what the fuck, man? All right, we got to go. This has gotten out of control. A guy we've been hanging out with is a fucking federal agent. And Bodie's just like, relax, man. It's, it's all just a game. This just raises the stakes. And they're like, what yeah, are his, you talking about, you lunatic? His preaching kind of goes into overdrive. We kind of get his famous speech here. He says, this was never about the money. This was about us against the system, the system that kills the human spirit. We stand for something we're here to show these guys that are inching their way on the freeways and their metal coffins that the human spirit is still alive. I kind of get the gist. These other guys are fine with just being in it for the money. Ultimately, Bodie is a mess of hypocrisies and contradictions. I mean, he talks about like peace and love, but he's using a gun and participating in these violent crimes. He's kind of controlling his group as a cult leader would. He's preying upon people that are in search of something, in search of leadership. uh, Psychological manipulation. Manipulation. There you go. That's the word. Perfect. So Tyler finds Johnny's FBI badge. Typical House of Lies comes crashing down. She's obviously pissed and upset because she puts two and two together and is like, well, were you lying about your parents and all that stuff? Oh, no. (laughs) But my question here is, does Tyler know about Bodhi? Like, know the truth? It never really is she clear. Can't, I can't imagine that she does. She seems to take the moral high ground here. If she did know that yeah, they were why robbing did, banks. Yeah, why would she think that he's in that? Like, wh- what would she make of that? I don't know. Like, what does she think is happening then? Maybe she does know. <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm not saying it proves she knows. I'm just, what is she? I don't know what is happening then in her mind right then. I, guess, I don't know. I guess maybe you're just supposed to take it as... Well, why didn't he tell her? Obviously, he's been withholding this, so something's fucked up here. And I guess that's enough to be like, wait, were you lying about your parents? Kind of the like the ins and outs of this stuff when you watch it in real time, because the movie's just kind of this popcorn fun adventure where you're like, this is a wild. And you're able to just scenario. sort of move on to the next scene. Yeah, you don't. It's like you're not thinking twice about like, does Tyler know about Bodie? Because you could kind of, I think you could probably have 10 people watch this movie and poll them. And you ask that question, five assume she knows about Bodhi and five assume she doesn't. Right. And there really doesn't seem to be any indication one way or the other by the end of the movie. Yeah, I guess so. I always thought that she did not know. Yeah. But 
So she it comes as a real shock to her when they kidnap her later. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, what the fuck is well, going on? Well, then she's on? really like, wow, I can't believe I dated this guy. So we get the unexpected Bodie pop in. This is sort of always weird, I feel like, for the viewer because it's like you feel like they both know and right. you feel like everyone knows. You feel like the characters know right. and the so, audience knows. But I guess it's supposed to be that because Johnny didn't actually see him, they're both keeping this charade right. up. So we get this impromptu skydiving session, which, by the way, this skydiving scene goes on for fucking forever. Right. But, yeah, it's this cat and mouse game where we both know and we both know each other knows, but we're going to pretend that we don't know. Yeah. It's that weird phenomenon that's addressed in the, I don't know about the original, but it's definitely addressed in the Fincher girl with the dragon tattoo. Okay. Where Daniel Craig figures out who the killer is and he goes there. Stone Skarsgård, yeah. He gets caught at his house, like, figuring this out. And Stellan Skarsgård knows that he knows. And Daniel Craig knows that he knows that he knows. Yep. And yet they both don't say anything at first, and he kind it kind of backfires on Daniel Craig in that moment. And well, yeah. Stellan Skarsgård calls it out. He's like, you knew that this wasn't safe, and yet you said nothing, and you didn't because you wanted to be polite. <laughs> this fear of it, not being polite. That is insane scene. And, but that's how things are right. a lot of times in real life and in the movies, and this is kind of an example of that where we're both playing this game, and we both know that we're playing this game. But part of the game is that we can't admit it because we might be caught at a disadvantage. We don't know how this is playing out yet. And we don't know what's happening. Another one of those moments where Bodie's little posse or whatever just will go along with whatever he says because it is like they all know this is fucking nuts, but they're all still acting like, hey, Johnny, our buddy, we're all going to hold hands in a circle while we skydive. It's kind of a crazy scene because Utah kind of proves that he's kind of an idiot. He goes up and he does this, and ultimately they did pack him a real shoot, and he's fine. But when they land, that's when they do the big reveal of the kidnapping of Tyler as an insurance policy. And you kind of just want to be like, dude, <laughs> like you knew that these were the guys. Right. Like, what are you doing? Like, Why would you have gone up? I mean, you're an FBI agent. Like, You could have called in people. Why were you by yourself? Like, I don't know. He, he just, everything where, was wrong. Where, where did he think this was going? I don't know. But that's that plays into this idea that he may have fallen partially under the spell a little bit. Well, it's hard not to. he's still kind of living this life, even though he knows what the truth is. And this kind of furthers the Bodhi hypocrisy, because not only is he doing, like, armed robberies, which kind of contradicts the things he says, but now he's betrayed a close friend, essentially. Well, yeah, someone he dated and yes. acts very close to still. They've taken Tyler hostage, and she's with Rosie, who is like Bodie's on-hand violent psycho, and Rose, <laughs> Ro- Rosie will kill her if anything happens to Bodie. There you go. Can't have you walking through those doors with your dick in your hand, right? <laughs> I can't do this. Sure you can. Who knows? You might like it. It's a killer rush. Bodie, this is your fucking wake-up call, man. I am an F. B.I. Agent! I know, man. Isn't it wild? They take Utah on one last bank robbery, and they don't give him a mask. And it does kind of play out very similar to when that, like, terrorist group took Patty Hearst hostage. And Yeah, well, it's like they give him a shotgun with no bullets in it. Yeah, but he's got no masks. They come into the bank, right. and here's <laughs> he's just like FBI guy. Yeah. <laughs> but this time, Bodie decides he wants to go for the vault. 
And so we know from earlier in the movie that this is. And why is this? I don't why know. Why does he decide now that he ne- needs to up the game so much? I guess he thinks that this is going to be the last time that they're ever the going to be able to do it. big haul. I don't know. So, yeah, this is supposedly going to fund something. I guess so, because now, I mean, the police do know who they are, really. Yeah, I mean, I guess they can't ever come back to okay, the U.S. Okay, so that makes sense. But, of course, this is another clusterfuck. We have an off-duty cop and a security guard getting involved. They both <laughs> I loved that. I love that security guard because, like, that <laughs> yeah. off-duty cop is just like, hey, I'm a cop, back me up. And he's like, no, don't, don't. do anything. <laughs> Yeah, that guy's more like a security guard from Tommy Boy, yeah. like at the end. <laughs> they just drop to the ground and just throws his gun. <laughs> but they both end up killed, and Gromit right. ends up killed. It turns into just a disaster. As the ex-presidents are bailing, Bodie just punches Utah in the face and leaves him there, leaves him behind for the cops, which, you know, the cops... Immediately that, start arresting him. Well, yeah, the two FBI agents that hate Bodie and Pappas, they are kind of reveling and getting to arrest him pappas wants to take him in but the truth is they're really going to go after these guys i know this is kind of a nuts part too because it's like all right now pappas is gonna like everybody's give up going his career yeah for this <laughs> it's almost as if the characters are so. aware that they're headed into the home stretch of the movie i don't and again <laughs> there's like still more to come with johnny utah's police career which i don't really understand he's being arrested here should his career be over right here? Well, they found or out what? the truth. Okay. Eventually. So <laughs> when they're arresting him here, they really think that he was actively a part of this robbery? Well, they don't know. Okay. They have, that's, you know, they have to go. It's not like if you get arrested, then there's no trial. It's like, well, well. we have to go through the whole thing. <laughs> so <laughs> instead, Pappas and Utah pursue Bodie and company to the Santa Monica airport. There's a shootout. Pappas and another one of Bodie's guys, Nathaniel, are killed. Kind of, I feel like, a surprise here that Pappas gets killed. Eh, I think I think he's got to. Okay. Because the focal point of the movie... Is that the thing that finally like puts the line down that Utah has to be on the other side of this? Yeah, it's a... It's they a, killed his partner. It's a do-or-die moment for Utah's character, but it also, as far as just creating the final showdown, it's like we need it to just be Bodie and Johnny. Yeah. Ultimately, it doesn't actually play out that Maybe way. Maybe Pappas, I felt like, could have taken one to the vest, though, or something, instead of getting blasted by a shotgun multiple times to the back. <laughs> I think Pappas, who's, you know, at this point has fired his weapon way more than 19 times. <laughs> yeah. You know, you live by the gun, you die by the gun. Absolutely, he, he that's true. A warrior's death. It's a good point. Another one of Bodie's crew is killed, so now he's lost two guys. And Roach is mortally wounded, but Bodie gets him onto the plane. And then Bodie forces Utah onto the plane at gunpoint. I guess kind of furthering the idea of an insurance policy. Whoever is piloting this plane. They force him to do that at gunpoint, too, because doesn't yeah. he w- not want to do it? Okay, that might be right. Times. Yeah, The scene that we're getting to and what happens out of this plane, I feel like is the moment that now all the Fast and the Furious movies are trying to top. Where you just see something happen and you're like, holy shit, and also laughing at the same time. Well, we're going to get to it and your hair is going to be blown back. Okay, please. It's entirely possible. Yeah. All right. And it has been tested. So we'll get to it. So parachuting out over Mexico is the plan. Roach, 
Not looking great for no. Roach. A <laughs> lot of well, blood. Johnny Utah really kind of uh, sticking the knife in there and just, you're dying, Roach. <laughs> but I, I, I love Bodie here when Johnny Utah is telling him that he's dying. And Bodie's just like, don't listen to him. He's just afraid. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually a pretty good Swayze. That yeah, there did. you go. Yeah, it would have been funny, though, because if Utah doesn't jump out after them, there would be like an awkward plane ride with him and the pilot. So uh, I guess you could just fly me back. Yeah, <laughs> right. I always feel like they should have had Swayze like shoot the pilot. So then it's just like, now what is Utah going to do? <laughs> yeah, that would actually be kind of badass. I don't know, but Bodie is kind of, I think he's under his own delusion. He thinks he's this pacifist. Like, he wouldn't I guess kill somebody so, yeah. himself. Right. That's why he has Rosie and these other guys to do it. He doesn't want to do it. Bodie and Roach have parachutes. They jump out of the plane. And then, you know, the big moment here is Utah jumping out after them <laughs> without a parachute. Just an insane. To go after Bodie and catch up with him midair. This is the big I, I don't care that this has been proved and has, been ha- and has happened. It's just completely nuts. He just nose dives out of the freaking plane, no okay. parachute. So this scene was tested by Mythbusters. Did they actually try it? I didn't see the episode. It was determined that Utah <laughs> and Bodie did it, no parachute. It was determined that Utah and Bodie would not have been able to free fall ninety seconds as in the film. Which yeah. I do feel like the amount of time that they're free falling is insane. Yeah. They would have hit the ground. And if you try to pull out a parachute too late, I mean, right, it's not going to slow, especially well, with that's, yeah, two people. Right. That is the other nuts part. It's like they pull it just before it hits the ground, it looks like. The way it's yeah, shot. Yeah, the way they shot it is It, it looks like weird. they would just like explode into the ground. Nor would they have been able to hold a conversation in midair. <laughs> no way. Talking shit to each other. However, it was determined... That by streamlining his body, Utah could have conceivably caught up with Bodie after jumping from the plane. That is possible. Now, is it likely? I don't know. I mean, probably not. Especially somebody who, in the reality of the movie, had only jumped out of a plane one other time. Yeah. (laughs) The best would have been if he just overshot it. I do love that Swayze, known for doing his own stunts and everything, it's actually him doing the jump scene jump scenes for this movie and he loved to skydive and did a total of 55 jumps for the film wow which is kind of crazy johnny does indeed catch up with bodie as we said in the air and in order to finally pull the shoot because bodie does this chicken thing where bodie's like well i'm not gonna pull it but right you have to pull it and in order for you to pull it you're gonna have to drop your gun which, which he has he to does. explain to him which i enjoy yeah they're having a full conversation <laughs> Yeah, he's explaining it to him in a way where it's like, again, it's like a best of conversation by the fire where they're kind of just explaining their lives, where he's explaining this really only for the audience's benefit so we understand what's happening. It's like, okay, I'm not going to pull it. You have to pull it, but you're holding on to me with your right arm, and in the left, you're holding the gun. So you're going to have to pull it with your left, and in order to pull it, you're going to have to drop your gun. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I guess if you're willing to believe he jumped out of a plane and he caught up with him, then you would believe this scenario, too. I suppose. If you're, you know, you're either in or you're out. I think, yeah, and we're certainly way in. The landing is rough on Johnny's bad knee, which obviously would have saw that coming. So 
Bodhi escapes, meets up with Rosie, and does actually make good on his word and release Tyler. <laughs> which, I mean, I guess is kind of well, surprising. there you go. Roach is now dead. It's kind of just a hilarious thing. It's like he did manage to pull his parachute. Yeah, so but then by the his, time he landed. His corpse just lands on the ground. He didn't survive the jump, so Bodie and Rosie go get the cash and bolt. Tyler now very happy to see Johnny. I bet yeah. she's a little less upset that he's an FBI well, agent. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> of the people that have sort of double-crossed her lately, Johnny is now much you know higher on her list. I think it's kind of strange that after Pappas dies and we've kind of set up this big final confrontation, obviously we got a very cool set piece with the, the skydiving yep. but it doesn't actually play out into a big final fight or anything Bodhi is just able to successfully escape for the time being with yep. rosie and the money and sure tyler has been rescued but don't worry yeah so in the interest of kind of condensing this and, and saving a little bit of time i'll just take this right from Good old Wikipedia. Well, we just need one more. We need that Dalton Jimmy moment. Yeah, but they're too, they're friends though. Yeah, so I mean, there's no throat ripping out, but okay. So this, like I said, this is from Wikipedia. Nine months later, Utah tracks Bodie at Bell's Beach in Victoria, Australia, where a record storm is producing lethal waves. This is an event Bodie had talked about experiencing, calling it the fifty-year storm. Utah attempts to bring Bodie into custody, but Bodie refuses. During a brawl in the surf, Utah manages to handcuff himself to Bodie, who begs Utah to release him so he can ride the once-in-a-lifetime wave. Knowing Bodie will not come back alive, Utah releases him, bids him farewell, and sees him step towards the wave. While the authorities watch Bodie surf to his death, Utah walks away, throwing his FBI badge into the ocean. You know, there's no way I can handle a cage, man. I don't care. You gotta go down. It's gotta be that way. Let me get one wave before you take me. One wave. Now, where am I going to go, man? Cliffs on both sides. I'm not going to paddle to New Zealand. My whole life has been about this moment, Johnny. Come on, compadre. Come on. Now, so, a he's lot of still these, an agent, question mark. I guess so, uh, up until this point. <laughs> but only to quit right now. Right. And uh, these other cops that show up are just like, why did you let him go? Why did you waste our time getting Seriously, us involved though, in this I, personal I, yeah, bullshit? Right. 
you couldn't have just accomplished this by yourself. I mean, you had to bring like Interpol and, you know, whatever, these local Australian authorities. Yeah. In a normal movie, it would be a terrible, ludicrous ending. Right. Yet in this movie, you're you're almost in tears that it's so good. (laughs) Like this is exactly what we want out of this ending. Yeah, but it, it's kind of absurd looking, too, to see him go out and try to ride this wave and just get demolished by it. It doesn't feel very poetic. They filmed this actually in, I want to say, Oregon. Okay. It wasn't actually Australia. They hired a bunch of Australians. And you can kind of tell when you, when you look at the surrounding of the beach, like yeah. the beach, and then there's like these big, thick woods that right. you would see like yeah. in Oregon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just... It's kind of a cool ending, you know. It's kind of just you're That's not hundred because you kind of Keanu leave Reeves the has movie. like long hair. It's raining. Patrick Swayze, I feel like, looks worse in this scene than he did the rest of the movie. Yeah, maybe it's been a, a, a rough life on the run. Yeah, we find out Rosie was killed in Mexico, I think. Or yeah, somewhere. Jo- Johnny Utah refers to him as a piece of meat. Yeah, he's like, I found a piece of meat that used to be Rosie, right? Or something like that. <laughs> it's like, all right, dude. <laughs> But, I mean, it's cool that it ends kind of with a question mark. You assume that Bodie is killed, but it's not confirmed. I guess in Utah's mind, there's enough closure to move on, but I don't know. It leaves open a lot of possibilities. You kind of feel that despite his flaws, you know, you kind of probably like Bodie by this point. And so you're like, well, at least he got to go out the way he wanted rather than having to go to prison now in a different world they make a point break sequel well i'm getting to that because it was gonna happen oh wow 20th century fox had made plans for a sequel to be released in the summer of 1993 in fact a script had been written and was in pre-production however despite point break grossing 90 million at the box office worldwide the studio decided to scrap the project it was a different world yeah, that, I feel like that would not have happened now. Although, if a movie only made ninety million, I don't think it would probably get a sequel yeah. these days. Well, I know, but what is ninety million now? I'm not sure. I, the adjusted inflation is probably is close to two hundred million. I don't know. Plus, there wasn't as much in the worldwide box office back then, outside of America. Now, yeah, who knows? Maybe Point Break would be a huge hit in China. <laughs> right. But they did obviously do the horrible remake in 2015, which I've never seen, but I feel confident enough to say that it was horrible. Yeah, no I know. one seemed to like it. I was it. telling you a little bit about it because I, I saw parts of it, but it, it basically is instead of like being these surfer dudes that rob banks, it's like these terrorists that destroy like whatever, like plants and stuff. Because pollution. Y- right. Places. Yeah, stuff yeah. that causes pollution. And the guy that plays Bodie is always talking about doing these things as a gift to Mother Nature and stuff. It's horrible so and is, was like, it rated r or pg-13 uh, no i can't imagine it was rated r oof just a complete if it was rated r it was like a waste a of a, an r rating sometimes they just get so hell-bent on wanting to do these projects because they think like oh this is a known property known commodity so it should be safe to do it and then it turns out to be this huge well, flop the fact and you're that just it's like, like why wouldn't you treat Point Break remake as a big deal and try to get real people in it. Well, yeah, and you're taking it. It's like, oh, this was a movie that had Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze, and it's like we're gonna just basically have like two nobodies as the the two That's main what I dudes. Mean. Like, yeah, I know. I know. If, if it wasn't coming together, then you'd just be like, well, we're not doing it now. Then until we get this right, we get like the, the Roadhouse right remake. 
<laughs> yeah, well, exactly. They shut that right down. Why does 21 Jump Street get Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill and Point Break gets no one you've ever heard of? It yeah. just doesn't I, I don't know what the difference is. Why are some projects treated like a big deal and some aren't? Get good people involved in these things. The truth is Point Break was already remade in 2001. They just called it The Fast and the Furious. Well, that's true. It's the exact same It's the plot. same idea basically. Except instead of surfing, it's street car racing. Right. But it's the same thing. Yes. And they turned it into this huge action franchise. It took a while to get there. Yeah, I mean, it went away and then Essentially, came yeah. back. Yeah, and it seemed like it was definitely over by the third one, and then they decided to revive it when the primary stars really didn't have anything else going on. Right, but and it turned out to be a great move. Right. Well, not for everyone that came back, but... You mean Paul Walker? Well, yeah. I don't think him coming back had really anything to do with anything. Didn't it? <laughs> All right, folks. This was another insane. Holy long shit! Episode. I know this was intended to be a short one too. Well, who knows how much we'll. Well, cut that's out. true. Yeah. I'm gonna take a hatchet to this thing. Let's not even. Yeah, throw a guess at how long this is because then it's like ends up being like way shorter than that. But thank you for listening. Subscribe on iTunes. Follow the show on Twitter. Anything else, Matt? Before Certainly we go. not. I think we covered it all. There. All right, and we'll see you next time.
Tongue punch in the fart box is a neglected phrase. Use it today. Example, Margot Robbie deserves a tongue punch in the fart box.